Hello, and welcome to the Warden Fintech Podcast. I am your host, David Gogel, and I am joined by David Klein, the co-founder and CEO of Common Bond. Common Bond is an online lending platform that connects student borrowers and investors to make education finance better. The platform allows students to save money on their student loans while allowing investors to earn a competitive financial return. Want to save an average of $18,000 on your MBA? You can when you take out a low-rate student loan with Common Bond. Common Bond was founded by Warden students like you, who were frustrated with the student loan process and knew there had to be a better way. So they created one. Today, Common Bond has funded over a billion dollars in student loans and changed the face of the industry. They're making good on their mission to make student loans more affordable, more transparent, and easier to manage. Get a free MBA student loan rate quote in minutes at commonbond.co and see how you can save an average of $18,000. Check out a smarter MBA student loan today at commonbond.co. Savings calculation is based on the difference in the common bond and federal grad plus interest rate. NMLS number 1175900. Common bond offers a full suite of student loan solutions including loans for current students, refinancing options for graduates, and employer student loan benefits for employees. Welcome, David. To start us off, why don't you tell us more about your background, how you got into fintech, what Common Bond does, and how it provides better loans and bigger savings to borrowers. Sure, that's a lot. Let's see if I can remember all those questions. So I'll, I'll first start out by saying, um, you know, started at Wharton in 2011. Uh, I went back to school uh, to get my business degree with the express purpose of starting a company and running it at or before graduation. Uh, you know, Wharton uh, was a place that uh, I was attracted to because of a few different things. One, what I was hearing about among the entrepreneurial community. Two, what I saw as Wharton's priority around social impact uh, at home and abroad. And three, frankly, uh, as I met with a lot of folks from a lot of different business schools, um, the people I met from Wharton seemed to be pretty consistently just really nice people. Uh, And so I think those three things really led me to apply and then I was ultimately fortunate enough to, to get in. Um, with the express purpose of starting a company before graduating, um, I got to work right away. Um, so I talked to a lot of the second years who had previously navigated the entrepreneurial community at Wharton and, and talked to them about, you know, what the best way to plug in was. I, I heard a, a number of great pointers. One uh, included something called the Wharton Venture Initiation Program, which I know still is around Wharton VIP. Uh, where a number of companies apply in any given year, uh, and those that are selected uh, receive office space and uh, you know, advisorship, mentorship, and, and a few other things that were quite helpful. Um, and so you know, we were able to take advantage of that. Um, was able to also take advantage of Ethan Mollick's Intro to Entrepreneurship class in, in that first quarter. Uh, was an opportunity to write the first version of the business plan for uh, what would become Common Bond. Um, and, you know, was also an opportunity for me to meet my co-founders, uh, Mike and, and Jessa. 
so the Warden experience for me was uh, was really transformational. Um, I think uh, it's uh, I think the Warden experience and Common Bond getting off the ground uh, are inextricably linked. Um, and for that, I'm I'm uh, eternally grateful for for my Warden experience. And then, of course, since since graduating, we've seen a lot happening in fintech. Um, you know, I think I think your club is one example of and a microcosm of um, what has happened in fintech in the last six years or so. Um, it has grown from kind of the margins to the mainstream. Um, and in 2017, here, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, a little bit more. It's moving from mainstream to maturity. Um, you know, if I think about the, the Wharton FinTech Club, for example, you know, we were talking for a little bit before our conversation. I remember when it started after I had left, um, you know, founded by Dan and Steve, two very able, committed, and passionate guys around FinTech. And it's amazing what they've built and what you are carrying on as co-president now you know, a 250-person strong club at Wharton within five years uh, is, is pretty, frankly, pretty remarkable. Um, and what you put out in terms of podcasts, uh, writings, uh, your presence at conferences in the industry, uh, the, the, the market research you put out and partner with law firms, I mean, these are real things that are used in real ways by real companies, including ours in fintech. Um, and so as we get started here, you know, I just want to applaud you and your predecessors for building Wharton FinTech into what it is, um, and obviously happy to chat more about FinTech broadly and, and what we do at, at Common Bond specifically. David, thank you so much for sharing how the Wharton experience helped you to launch Common Bond. It's been an honor to co-lead the FinTech Club, and I am very excited to continue to build out the community on campus and beyond. Let's jump into education financing and Common Bond's offering of student loan products. Common Bond recently launched an in-school financing product and lends directly to undergrads and graduate students. What is the rationale behind this new product launch? Sure, so there's, there's business rationale and there's personal experience and they've combined um, to lead to the products that we have today that you mentioned you know, up top. We have the refinance product for those who have graduated we have the in-school product for those currently in school, uh, and we have the employer product for those who are employees um, looking to take advantage of student loan benefits. And I can talk about all three, but really where it all started, again, and, and frankly, I think it's fitting that we're talking, it all started at Wharton. Um, you know, Common Bond exists precisely because um, I went back to business school and had to pay my way 100% with student loans. If that was not my personal experience. I never would have had the idea for the company. We never would have pursued it as such. We never would have realized how broken the market was. Uh, and we never would have gotten as obsessed as, as we are today to just fix it. Um, and so that's where, that's where this whole thing started, um, was, was my own experience at Wharton and the, and the need to, to pay for it with, with student loans. Um, what I noticed at the time is that, you know, three things really. One, the student loan interest rates were higher than, than they needed to be. Two, the process to get a student loan was much more complex than it needed to be. And three, the service provided by current service providers at the time was really poor. Um, and I thought, you know what, this, you know, I have a finance and background. This is now a personal pain point of mine. Um, I have these entrepreneurial ambitions. I come from a family of entrepreneurs. This is what I want to do. Why don't I 
why don't I use this experience and my background and where I want to go um, to start a company in, in this space? And what I said at that time and what I still say today uh, and what you see this most recent product launch be the descendant of is um, we want to have the broadest impact possible. Uh, we got our start in education finance. Uh, we started very small. We started with a pilot program at just one school, Wharton Business School. Um, we, we wanted to continually expand. So we expanded our refinance program to 20 schools, then 50 schools, then 200 schools, now 2,000 plus schools, virtually every college and university across the country. Um, we started a, a limited in-school program um, at one school, then 20 schools, then 30 schools. Um, and this is now an opportunity for us to continue to have the broadest impact possible on education finance and taking our in-school loan funding program to virtually every college and university across the country at both the graduate and undergraduate level. And so when you ask me the question of why we've launched this new product on the in-school side at national scale, it's a natural extension of this notion of us wanting to have the broadest impact possible uh, on people's finances. So that's kind of big point number one. Uh, and that's the, 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 the personal side of it. The business rationale side of it um, is pretty clear. You know, when we had a relatively limited in-school program at just 20 to 30 MBA programs, what we found was interesting. Within two years, Common Bond had become the number one private lender above Sally Mae, above Wells Fargo, above Citizens at a number of these schools. And we thought, wow, the demand for this product is quite large. We're obviously providing something new and different and overall better than traditional incumbents. Otherwise, how could a new player come to market within two years become the number one uh, over, you know, billion plus dollar companies? Uh, and we said, you know, there's, there's something real here. And so um, the team here is an incredibly dedicated team and it's an incredibly focused team. And we set our sights on launching um, the best in-school student loan and student loan experience in the country. Um, and so that's what we set out to do. And as you referenced a couple weeks ago, we launched that nationally. Trust in large traditional incumbent student loan providers is reaching new lows. For example, um, recent headlines explain that market leader Navient, which is part of Sally May, is getting sued for allegedly cheating uh, student borrowers. How does Common Bond differentiate itself from existing players in terms of customer service and rates? And how does it offer a unique experience for student borrowers? Yeah, I mean, the theme here is what I would call night and day. Um, you know, we read the same headlines you do. We read the same articles you do. Um, I, I can't speak to what other companies do. What I can speak to is what we do and, and, and how we've noticed it's different. Um, first and foremost, you have to look at the product. Um, and you have to look at uh, who has access to the product, what the price of that product is, how, how much flexibility uh, in terms of repayment options are provided uh, to the borrower. Um, and finally, all, as all relates to product, are we making it easy for a student or their parent to easily determine whether it makes sense to have a student loan, and if so, how much they should take out, 
And if so, whether it should be a fully deferred product, an interest-only product, a paid-in-full product, a pay-as-you-go, uh, small-amount pay-as-you-go product, we also think it's important to simplify the experience and let people know exactly what their monthly cash cost out of pocket is going to be once they graduate. And so we've built this great tool, um, unlike anything else that you can see from any other student lender, that with a little bit of information um, makes it pretty easy for a student or a family member to see what certain student loan amounts will mean upon graduation. And now that information is very important. That information will help somebody determine, hey, what should I go into by way of career or job upon graduation? What is the typical salary of somebody who studies X or goes into industry Y? What can I expect, therefore, my monthly income to be? And then cross-referencing that with the monthly outflow that's necessary to pay off the student loan at the predetermined uh, size and, and rate. And so we've done everything from creating a great product at a great rate uh, with tools to help people make better decisions on uh, not just what loan they should get, but sometimes where they should go to school. Um, because every school is different in terms of cost. Every school is different in terms of uh, scholarship money, grant money, etc. So that's, that's big point number one on the product. Big point number two is on the technology. Um, Common Bond has built technology from the ground up. It is new. It is modern, sleek, um, fast, simple, speedy, right? These are words that are not used um, on, you know, on or for the technology of legacy or incumbent players, right? Quite the opposite. Um, now, what that kind of technology allows us to do is, in fact, to simplify and speed up the experience of the student loan, and that's something that is highly valued by folks who get loans with us. The third thing I'd say is the service, um, customer service. So again, you know, you and I have been reading the same headlines. Um, you don't think of customer service when you think of student loans, and we're setting out to change that. Um, in fact, we're, we're looking to bring a little bit of sunshine to an otherwise pretty cloudy place. Um, and we need look no further than our own customer service team, which I'm proud to say in 2017 was awarded uh, the People's Choice Stevie Award for Best Customer Service of any company um, near our size. Um, and so we just take a really different approach to our customer than I think incumbents typically do or historically done. And then the final thing I'd say, the fourth and final thing I'd say is, and I think you, you, you know this well and many people at Wharton know this well, um, we have a very strong social mission as part of Common Bond, and we've had this from day one. Um, and it's a one-for-one -one social mission, something we call our social promise, that says for every degree we fund uh, in our loan platform, we fund the education of a student in need. And we do that through a partnership with Pencils of Promise, which is an education nonprofit based here in New York with a chain of over 300 schools globally. Um, and through that promise, through that social promise, we've been able to fund the education of thousands and thousands of students at Pencils of Promise schools across the globe. Um, and really, it's, it's, not, it's not us that, that does it. It's, it's, our, it's our borrowers. It's our members. Um, no other person in this country can, can get a loan and by very nature of getting a loan, uh, deliver social good, deliver social value. Um, our platform enables um, borrowers to, to do that. And that's something we're really proud of, and that's something that um, a, a lot of 
folks have, have taken note of and a lot of borrowers feel really good about. Your product, customer service, and social mission are all indeed incredibly impressive and seem to create a sustainable competitive advantage for the company. You brought up earlier in the discussion that fintech as a whole is moving from the mainstream into maturity. We see some of Common Bond's competitors moving beyond just student loans into other types of financial services, such as mortgages, wealth management, insurance. Where do you see Common Bond in the next five to 10 years? And how do you think about product focus in education financing versus differentiating into other types of uh, financial products that track graduates beyond graduation? Yeah, so on this notion of uh, an industry maturing, I think maturity is going to take a few different forms. Um, and it'll just depend on what company we're talking about at any given point in time. So for example, at Common Bond, um, there's a lot that we can do in the long term. You know, when we look at our three, five, seven year strategic plan, um, what you see in fact is that we follow our customer over their financial life to provide them with products and services, uh, financial products and services that meet their needs. Um, everything from lending products to asset-based products. Um, you know, all of that said, as we think about 2017 uh, and we think about where we are in our development today, we think that focus is hugely valuable. We think focus is hugely important, especially for companies um, you know, who've been around for three, four, five years. Um, and so you have an executive team and a board of directors over at Common Bond that highly values focus. And so within that context, um, we have remained maniacally focused on education finance. Uh, with the refinance product for those who've graduated from college, with this now in-school product uh, for those who are currently in school, and with the employer platform uh, that enables employers to provide actually a host of student loan benefits to their employees. Benefits that include a student loan contribution benefit where uh, we, Common Bond, have, have, have built SaaS-based technology uh, to allow employers to contribute directly to their employees' student loans every month. Uh, we have an evaluation platform that enables employers to put in front of their employees a repayment, uh, repayment recommender. Uh, for, with a little bit of information, this algorithm, this piece of technology, this evaluation tool, um, allows any employee with student debt, regardless of income, regardless of education, regardless of credit score, to determine what the best way for them to repay their debt is. For some, it might mean refinance. For others, it might not. For others, it might mean a federal government program like income-based repayment or public service loan forgiveness or even a number of state-based programs, right? So there's a whole swath of student loan benefits that um, we're working with employers on to provide employees in addition to our in-school product that we recently launched and our refinance product that's been around for, for a while. And so this is where, like I say, our maniacal focus remains. Um, now in 2018, 2019 out years, 
Um, we think that if we do our job right, if we stay focused on education finance, if we provide a product uh, in a way uh, that heavily leverages technology that our members really appreciate and really like and make us stand out, we're doing our job and we can parlay that into uh, other products and services over time. You mentioned earlier that uh, Common Bond is now offering a student loan benefits product to employers. How difficult is it to convince employers to jump on board for this type of uh, student loan debt relief as a, compared to their current benefit offerings, which are primarily focused on saving for retirement? Yeah, I mean, what's interesting is that companies are increasingly very interested in helping their employees with student debt. And it's not hard to see why if you look at the numbers. So uh, about a third of the workforce are millennials. Uh, about 70% of them have student debt. And, and a lot of them are, um, you know, make their voices heard. And so employers, therefore, know very well that many of their employees have student debt, know very well that that student debt is top of the mind for a lot of their employees, and understands that it, as the employer, is in a position to help their employees. And so much like employers have become um, a source for retirement account contributions, so too are companies waking up to the notion that they, um, they can be, uh, they can play that very same function for student loan contributions. And so we've simply built technology to enable uh, the employer's desire to manifest. So we make it easy for employers to do what they'd like to do, which is to provide their employees with student loan benefits. Um, and so within that context, um, it's a matter of having conversations with employers. It's a matter of educating them around what our employer platform looks like, how it helps employees. You know, our student loan contribution platform will save an average employee about $10,000 over the life of the loan, um, simply because the company is contributing about $100 a month towards student loans. And because that's all going towards principal payment, it's reducing the term of the loan itself, which prevents the employee from paying interest expense for longer than they otherwise need to. And so there's real savings there. Um, and so that, that's, what we've, that's what we've noticed. In some, it's employers who understand that many of their employees uh, like student loan benefits, employers who believe that from a recruiting perspective and a retention perspective, it's almost like a necessary cost of doing business um, and so, you know, with that context, we're having conversations with a lot of employers right now who are very interested in, in bringing student loan benefits to their employees. Shifting gears a little, um, within fintech and specifically student loan financing, what are some of the biggest opportunities and challenges you see arising as the industry moves towards maturity? You know, I think what we've all seen in fintech in the last three years has been remarkable. We've seen highs and we've seen lows. Um, and through it, what we've seen is a group of fintech players, if I just think about the fintech lending space, for example, right? 
you know, in 2015, if you talked to people and said, hey, um, help me map out all the fintech players worth knowing, you know, you'd probably map out 200 plus fintech lenders. If you ask that question today, you probably map out no more than 10 to 20. And I think that is, you know, a manifestation of an industry that is maturing. You know, every industry follows a very similar curve. Um, it feels as though it bursts onto the scene. There's a lot of promise. There are a lot of headlines. Uh, there's a lot of hyperbolic and almost dramatic language used in market to describe what this new market is, is going to do. Um, and then it's followed by a period of what I'll call realism. Um, and so there's, there's a level of groundedness that needs to hit any industry uh, that, that early on. And I think that for FinTech lending happened in 2016. Um, you know, particularly I think the Lending Club news in May of 2016 tends to be the, the, uh, the, the, the watershed moment of groundedness in, in marketplace lending and online lending. And what you've seen since is that, you know, the, the market for investment and capital um, really tended to start flowing to who the bigger players were at the time, the scaled players were at the time, the, the, the players with strong reputations and good credit performance. And, and that was something, you know, frankly, Common Bond benefited from. Um, you know, the focus on the industry was narrowing on and to uh, the players at scale uh, who would reach a particular level of, uh, of both scale and performance. And so what we've seen kind of the back half of 2016 heading into 2017 is this continued theme of the big players getting bigger and the smaller players either attaching to a big player or petering out. And here again is a typical part of an industry's development curve. Um, and this is, we think, ultimately pretty healthy. You know, heading into 2016, so at the end of 2015, we talked a lot about 2016 was going to be the year we were going to separate the wheat from the chaff in marketplace lending. And we didn't know exactly what form that was going to take or why that was going to happen. We just saw that trend happening. And, and we definitely saw that in 2016, such that in 2017, the wheat and the chaff are separated. Um, and the, the stronger are getting stronger, the, the smaller are, are getting smaller or, or petering out. You mentioned that trend towards uh, consolidation with winners and losers emerging. Is the industry headed towards a status quo where you have maybe three to five dominant players? Or do you think that the student loan marketplace uh, model will be eventually dominated by maybe one to two monopolistic players over time? So there, there's really two questions in there. One is whether we're talking about a student loan company. The other is whether we're talking about a fintech lending company. And there is overlap between the two. We obviously represent an overlap between the two. Um, but they are, you know, they are a bit different. So what I've, what I've said over the last, you know, four minutes or so um, has been within the frame of online lending, fintech lending. Um, and there's been a, a group of us. And we all got our start in one particular asset class. And then over time, I think all of us are going to go into many different asset classes. Now, if the question is with respect to that market, 
hey, what do we think we're going to see and how many players are going to be there at the end of the tunnel? Um, I think an interesting place to start is with broader finance. So if we just broaden out to, to finance in general, away from just online lending or fintech lending, let's look at how many players we have and let's look at how big they are. And what you notice is you have a lot of players who are quite large. Um, you know, JP Morgan, Bank of America, Citi, Wells Fargo, Citizens. Um, I mean, I can give you a list, a list of 10 to 20 that are literally household names um, in this country. And if you look at the size of these institutions, they are massive. They're some of the largest institutions in the world. Um, and so to the extent that there is room in a large market for players that large, um, and frankly, that legacy in their technology um, and approach to consumer, then you have to believe there's at least as many emerging fintech companies that could either replace the older companies, partner with the older companies, or take pieces of the pie from the older companies um, and be around for a very, very long time. So I, I think, you know, from that high-level perspective alone, um, you have at least 10 to 20 emerging fintech players who have the opportunity to be here for a very, very long time. With respect to student loans in particular, um, that's a little bit of a different beast. Um, you know, you have your usual suspects play in the student loan space. What's interesting there is that you have the federal government representing over 90% of all student loans in this country. Uh, they tend to charge one rate to everybody. Um, it's, a, it's a highly inefficient market. Um, and, um, you know, so, so, so you're contending with that dynamic in student loans in addition to a few quite large private, um, private players. Are there any d developments in broader fintech that are of particular interest to you? Uh, one example of that would be maybe blockchain or other types of technologies that are, you know, being leveraged throughout uh, the financial services industry, both by incumbents and, and new entrants. In particular, there's any areas of technology or development that you think um, is going to impact the overall fintech landscape over the next few years? Yes, and you took my answer, by the way. So I think you're 100% right. Um, you know, I am fascinated by blockchain. I think blockchain has a lot of promise. Um, and the reason I think blockchain has promise is because it's a way to do something incredibly important that touches the central nervous system of our economy in a way that is more secure and in a way that is more efficient. Um, and when you have those dynamics at play, um, there's you know, potentially huge promise. Um, I don't think we've, you know, I think we barely just scratched the surface of what blockchain means in not just fintech, by the way, but every industry. Um, if you think about it, every industry has a finance function and every industry needs to think about flow of funds and, and every industry needs to think about flow of data. Uh, and every industry needs to think about doing that in a secure way and in an efficient way. And 
you know, what I've seen about blockchain, to the extent it is widely adopted, um, we're, we should be able to do that. Um, and again, that's not just in, in fintech. Um, that's every industry um, as it relates to fund flows, data flows, um, anything that we, that we want and need to transfer electronically in a safe and efficient way. Um, that's the promise of blockchain, and it's huge. Um, so I get pretty excited about that. You know, other than that, if I think about fintech today, you know, there's this emerging term, regtech, right, regulation technology. And I think that's a real thing. I think that has legs. I think it's already proven itself some, right? But as you think about whether you're an emerging fintech company or a large financial company, you need to ensure compliance consistently, without exception, in a spaghetti soup of regulatory regimes. And to the extent you can automate certain compliance, incorporating that spaghetti soup of, of regulatory compliance law, the better. Uh, the better for the company in terms of where it's spending its time and how efficiently it's spending its money. And in terms of the consumer, making sure that uh, we don't leave anything up to human error. Um, and so while regulation typically is not a sexy topic, it's certainly a critically important topic that we sure think a lot about at Common Bond, have thought a lot about from the beginning, will continue to think a lot about going forward, uh, and will continue to pilot the technologies that we've been piloting to make sure um, that, you know, from a compliance perspective, we're perfect. Finally, as, as a last question and shifting gears a little, you know, what advice do you have for, for Warden MBAs, you know, for incoming students, for first years about to start their summer internships, for second years about to graduate and, you, and join the workforce, and for fintech entrepreneurs on campus trying to participate in you know, this fintech revolution that we're in the midst of? Oh man, that, that is a big question, David. Uh, that is a big question. Well, I'll, I'll, say, I'll say this. I think you have a lot of folks at Warden Fintech and folks who probably listen to your podcast that are interested in starting a company. Either they're currently starting a company or they one day want to start a company. So let me scope my answer to, to that group of folks. Um, if you're a first year coming into Wharton, as I was, what I would highly recommend is a few things. One, talk to people who were there before you. Talk to the second years. Ask them the best way to navigate the entrepreneurial community at Wharton, but also more broadly at Penn and more broadly in Philadelphia. Um, there are groups, there are outlets, there are opportunities uh, for somebody who is entrepreneurially hungry to take advantage of. I, I certainly did, right? I spoke to second years. I learned about Warden Venture Initiation Program. I broadened my scope to all of Penn and, and, and worked with Penn Engineering uh, for tech resources. I broadened my scope further to Philadelphia and did Philly Startup Weekend uh, in October of 2011. Ended up meeting, uh, ended up built our ended up building our first site. I wouldn't even call it a beta site, more an alpha site that weekend. Ended up meeting the person who would later become our first employee that weekend. So really put yourself out there. Learn a lot. Understand how to navigate and just plug in. Just do. Just start doing. <clears throat> For the second years, you know, whether you've been focused on entrepreneurialism up to this point or whether you are about to, to graduate and want to start getting serious, 
You know, what I've said to folks before is that if you have a hunger, if you have a passion to build a company, do it. People ask me all the time, what's the right time? The answer really is if you're passionate about doing it right now, the right answer is now. Do it now. Um, the thing that gets in the way of entrepreneurs in the beginning more than anything else is an entrepreneur's own psychology. That is one of the most limiting factors, particularly in the early stages to entrepreneurial success, is our own psychology as entrepreneurs. We're either going to tell ourselves we can't do it, it can't be done, in which case we're going to close up shop and do something else. Or two, we're going to tell ourselves we can do it. And even when we can't see the other end of the line, we believe that it's possible. And we're going to use hustle and grit and persistence um, to muscle our way through. And it doesn't mean we're going to be thick-headed about it. We're going to listen to feedback. We're going to take it as, as fuel to make our models better. We're going to prune branches from our model. Um, we might go in a slightly different direction. Um, but it's, it's, it's resistance that's used as fuel as opposed to resistance that's used to bulk. Um, and that, I'd say, is, is just really important for folks to understand who are either working on their company right now or really want to work on the company, is, is, is that. Let the market tell you that an idea doesn't work, not, not your own psychology. Thank you so much, David, for sharing those wise words on entrepreneurship and for providing your insights on fintech and common bond. You are very inspiring to Warden MBAs looking to pursue their entrepreneurial dreams. That concludes today's podcast. Thank you. Thanks, David. I appreciate it.